Hello everybody, I'm Sean and welcome back to the Croc Time podcast, delivering weekly updates on markets and geopolitics, providing you with valuable insights and unique perspectives on events and trends shaping the world. Today's episode will dive into a bit of history of Guatemala, a troubled Central American country. Guatemala faced a very turbulent 20th century with instability, civil war, military coups and dictatorships. The country's first democratically elected president was Juan José Arevalo, who governed between 1945 and 1951. In August 2023, Juan José Arevalo's son, Bernardo, won the Guatemalan elections with a strong reformist agenda. Today, we will find out more about the history of the new president, his family, and the country. So let's cut to the chase. The first democratically elected president, Juan José Arevalo, was born in 1904, while the country was under the rule of dictator Manuel Estrada Cabrera. Between 1898 and 1920, the dictator Cabrera modernized the country's industry and transportation infrastructure. However, he granted concessions to the infamous American-owned company United Fruit Company, also called UFC. The company was a modern-day British East India company. It held a virtual monopoly in tropical fruit trades grown in Costa Rica, Honduras, and Guatemala, which were then sold to the US and Europe. The company had a deep and long-lasting impact on the economic and political development of several Latin American countries. It is accused of neocolonialism because of its influence on the internal politics of so-called banana republics, another name for Central American countries. Cabrera quickly started to persecute political rivals and established a well-organized web of spies. An attempt on Cabrera's life in 1907 led to his extreme despotic characteristics. The American company, UFC, progressively increased its influence throughout these years. Cabrera's most curious legacy was his attempt to foster a cult of Minerva, the Roman goddess of wisdom, justice, and law. He ordered the construction of Hellenic-style temples throughout the country and organized feasts for the Roman goddess. In 1920, Estrada Cabrera was deposed because of his mental instability and was later sent to prison. While Juan José Arevalo was studying pedagogy in Argentina as part of a PhD scholarship, political and economic chaos reigned in Guatemala between 1930 and 1931. The country suffered from the Great Depression and was also bankrupt. Amidst all of this, its president suffered a stroke. The president's successor lasted only four days in office and was deposed by a military coup. The U.S. forced the replacement president to quickly resign, and the following president lasted a few months before the 1931 election. Jorge Ubico won the 1931 election as he was the only candidate on the ballot box. Nicknamed Number 5, or also Central America's Napoleon, Ubico was one of the most terrible Central American dictators in history. He gave massive concessions to UFC and wealthy landowners and disdained the indigenous population, calling them animal-like. He considered himself to be another Napoleon. 
surrounding himself with statues and paintings of Napoleon, commenting daily of the similarities and resemblance between himself and the French Emperor. While he did completely eliminate corruption in the country, his totalitarian rule militarized every institution. An American journalist of the time likened Guatemala to a modern jail. Ubico also openly identified himself as a fascist, admiring Mussolini, Franco and Hitler, all the while also being a strong US supporter. Nationwide protests and a general strike led by widespread discontent, toppled his regime in 1944. In the meantime, Juan José Arevalo had been an exiled university professor, and he returned to Guatemala right after the end of the Ubico regime. In the country's first truly democratic elections in history, Juan José Arevalo won by a landslide and became president in 1945. Free political life was part of his administration, and he helped draft a new constitution. Guided by a spiritual socialism philosophy, commonly referred to as Arevalismo, he guided the country towards freedom from oppression. Labor laws allowed unions to flourish, benefiting the lower and middle classes. Many foreign estates were confiscated and redistributed to peasants. A new minimum wage was introduced, while new schools, hospitals, and houses were built. His redistribution of land alarmed the US that misinterpreted Arevalo as a communist. While his administration was greatly positive, Arevalo struggled to both implement a major agrarian reform and improve the rural conditions of the indigenous population and the peasants. However, Arevalo's term in office is considered as a great step forward for the poor and unstable country. By law, Guatemalan presidents can only govern one term. Influential Colonel Arbenz, with the support of the army, easily won the election in 1950. Arbenz continued the social policies of Arevalo by expanding the right to vote, allowing workers to organize, and ensuring political parties can easily set up. The centerpiece of his government was Decree 900, an agrarian reform law which saw wide-scale redistributions of land to agricultural laborers, benefiting 500,000 people. However, the American company UFC was the main loser from the agrarian reform and lobbied the US government to overthrow the new Guatemalan administration. In the 1954 Guatemalan coup d'etat, the US government, through the CIA, replaced Arbenz with Colonel Carlos Castillo Armas. This military coup would be the first of many for Guatemala and would haunt its politics for over three decades. Following the coup, Juan José Arevalo fled to South America. A few years later, in Montevideo, Uruguay, Arevalo would become father to Bernardo, Guatemala's newly elected president in 2023. The family would spend years living in Venezuela, Mexico, and Chile. Back in Guatemala, US-backed dictator Castillo Armas removed the agricultural reform and confiscated the lands given to the indigenous population, killing and arresting thousands. Corruption and soaring debt plagued his government, and in 1957, he was assassinated by another general.
After a few right-wing military dictators came and went, in 1960, a civil war in the country erupted. The context of the struggle was based on unfair land distribution. Wealthy Guatemalans, mainly descendants from Europe, and foreign companies, such as UFC, had dominated control over the land, paying zero taxes. The indigenous poor worked the land under terrible conditions. The main rebel movement was known as MR-13, which was founded by a group of dissident officers. From the 1980s onwards, URNG would become the main opposition movement. These various leftist rebel groups fought against the government of Guatemala. In rural areas, among indigenous people and peasants, the insurgency maintained its strongholds for decades. The Guatemalan government, which changed every few years after military coups and dictators, was supported by Argentina and the US, while the rebel movements were supported by Cuba and Nicaragua. The government repressions led to large massacres, even of entire villages. The widespread killing of the Mayan people was considered a genocide. Former President Rios Montt was charged for the killing and disappearances of more than 1,700 indigenous Mayan during his brief 17-month rule between 1982 and 1983. Montt was actually the first former head of state to be tried for genocide by his own country's judicial system, and he was found guilty in 2013, although he never served time in prison. Between 140,000 and 200,000 people were killed or disappeared during the war. Most of the war was a large, coordinated campaign of one-sided violence by the Guatemalan state against the civilian population. During the Civil War in 1976, a magnitude 7.5 earthquake killed over 23,000 people, displacing many more thousands further contributing to the already dreadful situation. A return to democracy in Guatemala started in 1986 with the democratic election of Vinicio Cerezo. While hopes for his presidency were high, and he did manage to subdue the army's constant political upheaval, a new wave of terror and violence emerged with the continuation of the civil war. His successor, Serrano Elias, sparked a constitutional crisis in 1993 through an attempted self-coup, trying to stay in power through illegal means. The civil war finally ended with the peace accords signed in 1996. While all of this was happening in Guatemala, Juan José's son, Bernardo Arevalo, graduated from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in Israel in sociology. He later obtained a doctorate in philosophy and social anthropology from Utrecht University in the Netherlands. He would return to Guatemala in 1988 and be appointed in different diplomatic positions, often serving as a foreign ambassador. Even though the civil war ended, violence in the country continued. High-level assassinations and crime remained widespread. Successive governments focused on modernizing the country, investing in the country's infrastructure and institutions. Roads were improved and electric and telephone coverage increased. 
However, corruption would continue to plague Guatemala for decades. Each new president would vow to crack down on corruption, only to realize the impossibility of the task. Hurricanes, volcano eruptions, and other catastrophic events continued with devastating consequences. Hurricane Stan in 2005 destroyed entire towns in Guatemala and killed thousands. Guatemala's president Berger at the time famously commented on the damage by saying, it's not so bad, poor people are used to living like this. Violence continued uninterrupted as Guatemala became a key location for the smuggling of people and drugs from South America towards Mexico and the US. Over time, a sprawling network of political, military and economic elites gained incredible influence over the country. Guatemalans called this network the Pact of the Corrupt. A UN-backed anti-corruption body, CIGIG, the International Commission Against the Impunity in Guatemala, was established in 2006. This institution was very successful. It helped reduce corruption and brought down high-ranking officials such as Guatemalan President Pérez Molina and his vice president in 2015. However, President Jimmy Morales, with the backing of US President Donald Trump, closed the institution in 2019. Since then, the Pact of the Corrupt's influence has only grown. During President Alejandro Jamate's administration between 2020 and 2023, Guatemalan courts were filled with people loyal to the political elite. Independent-minded judges and journalists were forced to either flee the country or face imprisonment. Democratic decline is widespread as the country witnesses a surge in crime. The influence of drug traffickers on the government continues to increase. Instability remains widespread and Guatemala remains one of the poorest countries in Latin America and the Caribbean, with one of the worst income inequalities in the world. Its economy is highly dependent on agriculture, particularly on crops such as coffee, sugar and bananas. Many Guatemalan families depend on remittance payments from a growing expatriate community in the US. In this fragile, unstable and corrupt environment, Bernardo Arevalo formed the political party Movimiento Semilla in 2017. He ran and won by a landslide the 2023 Guatemalan election on a strong reformist agenda, beating the ruling elite. The results clearly demonstrate that Guatemalans are fed up with the status quo and the pact of the corrupt. Bernardo's party is full of academics and technocrats, and many hope that the new president can reverse the country's democratic decline. Mr. Arevalo, who will officially be president of Guatemala starting from 2024, pledges to reduce poverty and corruption and improve health and education. He favors universal health care and describes himself as a social democrat. In fact, his supporters refer to him as Tio Bernie, Uncle Bernie, in reference to both his name and his similarity to American politician Bernie Sanders. Widespread fears that the ruling elite would try to block the election results 
have so far not come true, given the general sour mood in the country. The international community has also put pressure on the ruling government to allow free presidential elections. However, Bernardo Arevalo will face huge challenges once in power. The ruling elite will try to put obstacles in Mr. Arevalo's way as he challenges their control over the country's institutions. His party Semilla is only the third largest party in the Congress, so governing and bringing change will be extremely hard. Latin American people are impatient with results and presidential honeymoons are getting shorter and shorter. Expectations are high on Bernardo to quickly deliver results. People can easily get disillusioned with a lack of results from a candidate that promises change. Tackling crime and drug trafficking will also be very high on the new president's agenda. His foreign policy also sounds interesting. Arevalo has condemned the governments of Nicaragua and Venezuela and wants to also take action against Russia for its invasion of Ukraine by revoking mining licenses to Russian companies operating in Guatemala. While the country is one of the few that recognizes Taiwan, Arevalo is in favor of improving trade relations with China. Well, after having gone over the history of Guatemala from the start of the 20th century, we can clearly see that the country's troubled history is incredibly complex. The challenges from its unstable 20th century have continued into this century and in some respects have even gotten worse. The newly elected president, Bernardo Arevalo, has a lot on his plate for the next few years. While expectations are high, he will have to navigate choppy waters to bring change to a country that desperately needs it. Juan José Arevalo, Bernardo's father, is watching down on him as the new leader looks to follow in his footsteps seven decades after his father's successful presidency. We will keep track on Bernardo and hope for the best in the next few years. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Crog Time. Please leave a review and follow me on Instagram, and I'll be back next time with more insightful research.